TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. What's driving the conversation in California today? Every weekday at this time, we explore a topic that's making news in our state. This is the State of California. Good afternoon. This is the State of California. Doug Sovereign is off today. Over a decade ago, California launched a first-of-its-kind program to try and keep firearms out of the hands of people who have lost the right to have a gun. The program is called the Armed and Prohibited Persons System, and it has thousands of names and has improved over the years. But... The other aspect of this is actually recovering the guns from those owners, and it's not as streamlined as it could be. So for more on this, we are joined live today on the KCBS Ring Central Newsline by Julia Weber, attorney consultant for the Giffords Law Center. Julia, thank you so much for your time. No, thank you. Thank you for covering this important story. Oh, it really is important, not only for California, but nationwide. Before we get into solutions um, and suggestions, What's the problem with recovering these guns? Is it not staffed enough? Well, there are a couple of different things going on. We know that the best practice is to obtain any currently owned firearms as close to the time of prohibition as possible. So that means when a court issues a prohibiting order, we're going to want that court and then any local law enforcement to ensure that there is follow-up so that the person who becomes prohibited turns those firearms in, provides proof to the court, and if there's noncompliance, the court and law enforcement, again, follows up, prosecutors get involved. Uh, You know, many people comply as they are supposed to. Those prohibited persons who don't then need that little extra help to get those firearms as close to that time of prohibition as possible to protect themselves sometimes, protect others, protect the broader community. So the armed prohibited person system comes into place when that hasn't happened as close to the time of prohibition as possible. And then they do the best they can, and they have had some improvements, but uh, we've had to do more at the local level as well. Cal Matters spent months and months looking through this and looking at the layered troubles of the armed and prohibited person system, and, and they found quite a few of them. Outdated technology, would that top the list? Uh, that's one of the concerns, is that we need... as you know, good at technology as we can get to stop the kind of harm that's occurring. Uh, and then, you know, procedures, training, uh, and the follow-up is really, really important. You know, you, you mentioned the technology, and you also mentioned local levels. What is not being done at the local levels? Is there not a good working relationship between the state and local governments? Uh, well, I, as far as I know and I hear, there's a very good working relationship at times, 
Uh, the coordination could be improved, certainly. But one of the concerns is that, you know, amazingly, when we tell people how to comply, we see some increase in compliance. So one step is making those procedures and those expectations clear to the people who've become prohibited, making sure that they know they can go to the local law enforcement agency and take care of that uh, relinquishment process or go to a licensed gun dealer and sell or store their firearms. So getting that information out is important. And then, again, making sure that when someone doesn't do that, it doesn't rest on the protected party or someone else in the community to figure out how to report noncompliance. The court, and Cal Matters covered this, the court should be able to look in the file and see that the proof is there or it isn't. And if it's not there, a lot of that rests on the court uh, in terms of taking the next steps to inform law enforcement so they can then take follow-up steps. I mentioned in our introduction to you that California was the first to do this. Do you know how many others have followed suit, any other states, and whether they've had better luck? We are the only state that has a system like the Armed Prohibited Person System. That system gives us a chance to look at both folks who at one time were allowed to have firearms and appropriately registered them, and then later became prohibited. And what the system does is put that together and say, oh, look, this person has firearms known to the state, and now they're prohibited. And that's what that database includes. We're the only state that can do that. So we're ahead of the game in terms of having the opportunity to uh, look at that data and take the next steps. Uh, so it's really on us, I think, to continue to lead the way here in California. When former President Donald Trump first took office, he reversed a law that banned certain people with mental illness from owning guns. Uh, now, this law would have required the Social Security Administration to submit people who receive benefits related to mental health to a federal background check database. Seems to me that would have had a huge help for states like California struggling with background stuff. I mean, should California lobby for laws like that at the federal level to help with its own effort in preventing the wrong person from owning guns? Well, we certainly want to make sure that people who, where there's a nexus between uh, their behavior, indicators of violence or risk of violence of harming themselves or others, temporarily at the very least, are denied access to firearms because that can save lives. Uh, we do have a number of federal laws in place, and California has some of the most comprehensive firearm prohibiting regulations in place. So, Getting into uh, who should be on that list uh, and under what circumstances firearms should be restricted, you know, that's up to the policymakers and those of us who advocate. But we do have some excellent laws on the books already, and it's really a matter of implementation. When this was first enacted, the Armed and Prohibited Persons Systems was seen as the low-hanging fruit of gun control measures, right? Slam dunk, take firearms from, from known owners who shouldn't have them. Given the fact that it hasn't been all that effective, does that, uh, it certainly doesn't bode well for more complicated legislation, does it? Well, I, I, I would uh, push back a little and say that I think it has been effective. We've seen, even in recent years, every year, uh, the Department of Justice here in California issues a report on how the armed prohibited person system is doing. And we've seen a decrease in the numbers, a slight decrease in the numbers of people who are ending up in that database, which is helpful. That means that people who have firearms who become prohibited are a little less likely now to continue to have access to those firearms that they're no longer allowed to have. Uh, so that's useful. We know California has a lower rate of gun-related deaths than other states that don't have as comprehensive approaches, and apps is certainly part of that framework. The armed prohibited person system is part of that. 
So I'd say we have been somewhat effective. We can be even more effective if we deploy some of those local measures and uh, continue to find ways to follow up when, again, the low-hanging fruit that you mentioned, when we know someone has firearms and they're not supposed to have them, and that's what's in that database, let's follow up as effectively as possible. The U.S. Supreme Court is reviewing a pretty important court ruling that would invalidate a federal domestic violence restraining order policy, and that would be pretty important in California. Is there a way for California lawmakers to put bubble wrap around California to prevent domestic violence abusers from having guns? Excellent question. We're doing everything we can, and currently that's the Fifth Circuit out of uh, a Texas case, so that uh, that prohibition uh, that's under the federal law, which says that people with domestic violence, civil restraining orders can't have firearms as long as that restraining order is in place. Uh, unfortunately, both in Texas and Louisiana and Mississippi now, uh, that's the Fifth Circuit, that federal law is no longer in place, uh, which is very dangerous for uh, victims of domestic violence. California, our law remains in place at the state level, and the federal law is still in place here. So we have the most comprehensive, if any state, most comprehensive domestic violence uh, firearm prohibiting remedies. And uh, we are hopeful that under what's called the U.S. versus Rahimi case that you're referring to, that the U.S. Supreme Court will uh, come to the conclusion that Congress and state legislatures have the ability to regulate dangerousness so that they can protect individuals who are victims of domestic violence and our broader community, because the majority of mass shootings involve some connection to domestic violence, like we've seen, unfortunately and tragically, this week in Orange County. Thank you so much for talking to us. Our, go- our guest has been Julia Weber, attorney consultant at the Giffords Law Center. You can hear the state of California every weekday at 3.30 p.m. It is also available on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.